Hey C3, thanks for joining us. Merry Christmas. And C3 starts in three, two, one. Pew, pew. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her King. Let every heart prepare Him room. Heaven and nature sing, and heaven and nature sing, and heaven and heaven. Joy to the world, the Savior reigns. Let men their songs implore. While fields and floods, rocks, hills, and plains repeat the sounding joy. Repeat the sounding joy. Sounding joy. He rules the world with truth and grace and makes the nations prove the glories of his righteousness, the wonders of his love and wonders. Of his love and wonders, wonders of his love. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her King. Let every heart. Prepare him room and heaven and nature sing and heaven and nature sing and heaven and heaven and nature sing and heaven and heaven and nature sing Good morning, C3. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Ivy and I'm one of the youth leaders here at Christ Community Church. I just kind of wanted to give you guys an update on some things that we're doing with our youth group. So some of you may know, but we just had hopefully our first annual ugly sweater cookie decorating contest for our youth group this past Sunday. We're going to put some photos in the slides for y'all so you can get a little inside scoop on the action that we got to have, the, the cookie decorating that we had. Those are going to crack you up, I hope. Um, and then I also wanted to encourage you, if you've got a student sitting at home with you guys this morning, we are offering in-person youth class again right now at the Botanic Garden. So if you have a student at home who would like to take part in that, or if you yourself want to be a part and volunteer with us, just let us know. Uh, we'd love to have you. Can't wait to see you. Bye. Good morning, C3 family. This is our call to worship for today, found in Hebrews 11th chapter, 8th through the 16th verses. 
By faith, Abraham heard God's call to travel to a place he would one day receive as an inheritance. And he obeyed, not knowing where God's call would take him. By faith, he journeyed to the land of the promise as a foreigner. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, his fellow heirs to the promise. Because Abraham looked ahead to a city with foundations, a city laid out and built by God. By faith, Abraham's wife, Sarah, became fertile long after menopause because she believed God would be faithful to his promise. So from this man, who was almost at death's door, God brought forth descendants, as many as the stars in the sky, and as impossible to count as the sands of the shore. All these I have mentioned died in faith without receiving the full promises, although they saw the fulfillment as though from a distance. These people accepted and confessed that they were strangers and foreigners on this earth. Because people who speak like this make it plain that they are still seeking a homeland. If this was only a bit of nostalgia for a time and a place they left behind, then certainly they might have turned around and returned. But such saints as these look forward to a far better place, a heavenly country. So God is not ashamed to be called their God because he has prepared a heavenly city for them. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, how wonderful it is to know that your promises will be fulfilled and that a day is coming when our faith will be turned into sight as future promises and will be and will be fulfilled at your appointed time. Thank you, O oh God, for uh, the example of men and women of faith like Abraham and Sarah, and for knowledge, O oh God, that nothing you have planned will be left unfinished. Thank you that our sins have been forgiven and will be remembered no more. We look forward to the city, the city that you have built, the city that you have made, Oh, God, we thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Oh, holy night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of our dear Savior. sin and ever pining till he appeared and the soul felt its worth a thrill of hope the weary world rejoices for yonder breaks a new and glorious
Welcome to Christ Community Church and our Sunday morning worship service. We are happy that you could be with us we today. Are. We are happy. Hooray. We're happy to be with us today. Yes, I'm very happy that yes. we can be together. Yeah. We're uh, in front of our Christmas tree Again, that my yes. bride decorated uh, with love and great effort. I do love the Christmas tree. <laughs> and uh, so anyway, I'm thank It's very you. important. Thank you placement, for Placement, bulb so, placement is very important. <laughs> um, this morning... Uh, I wanted us to talk about something that uh, you'll see why we're doing it uh, in preparation for Christmas, but it's maybe a little heavier hmm. in theme than other topics that people would talk on or teach on in December. But uh, anyway, I want to talk about waiting for the promises of God to be fulfilled in our lives. That's what Advent really is about anyway. That's exactly right. Thank you. That waiting. is exactly right. You yep. know, waiting is as much a part of Christmas as gift, Christmas gifts, Christmas carols, Christmas feast, Christmas decorations, Christmas movies. Uh, we wait in lines. Uh, we wait for loved ones to come home. We wait for Christmas morning and all the presents to unwrap. Uh, we wait for the mailman. And now the FedEx man. Yeah, and the the Amazon man, man. Amazon man and all those people do it. Uh, we're, we're, we're constantly waiting 
and we understand and accept the fact that that is a part of Christmas, getting ready for Christmas. Uh, and as you said a minute ago, um, really the, the very word Advent uh, you know, connotates the idea that the world was waiting for a Savior. Yep. The world was waiting for someone to come and make right the damage that was done to the world 4,000 years earlier by Adam and Eve. Uh, there was a, the world was waiting for a Messiah, for a solution, for God to do something. And now... Uh, the church is waiting for the second advent, for the return of that Messiah um, to come and finalize and make permanent uh, the solutions that he made possible and initiated um, at the first advent, yes. I don't know. Yes. It depends on when he comes back. I was going to say two thousand years later, but we don't know when he's coming, so I, I hesitate to say that. Um, anyway, I want to talk about waiting for God to fulfill His promises. And uh, I've been, you know, in my devotions, I've been, I've spent a lot of time the last couple of weeks pondering uh, Psalm one nineteen. That's what I've been reading through. Just finished it today. And, it's a long uh, one. It is on, it's the longest chapter in the Bible. And uh, I, it never, I've read Psalm 119 hundred times, maybe more. Um, and it never hit me uh, how many times in that psalm the author says something to the effect that he is waiting on God to fulfill his promises. Um, I'm not saying that he says that phrase three times, five times, ten times. I'm saying he says that phrase, even though it is a long chapter, he says that phrase, he was waiting on God to fulfill his promises to him. I bet he says that phrase 20 times, maybe 30 times. I didn't keep up with everyone, but he over and over again, he says that same line. He was waiting on God to fulfill his promises to him. Let me, let me just give you a few examples. So in verse 41, he says, O eternal one, keep your promise to me and let your unfailing love find me and save me. Verse 49, please don't forget your promises to your servant, for it's where I have placed my hope. Verse 58, the eternal one is mine. He's all I need. I wait for the blessings and the grace that he has promised me. Verse 76, mm -hmm. I find comfort in the unfailing love that you, O Lord, have promised to give me. Verse 81, O my soul is exhausted as I await your rescue, yet my hope is in your promise. Psalm, uh, the, uh, verse 107, I've suffered terribly, O eternal one. Give me the life that you have promised me. And then the last one I, I picked was verse 162. says, I can celebrate because I have your promise. It is like an incredible treasure in my life. Again, over and over and over again, this writer is declaring God, 
You have made me promises. I believe that they're true, but they haven't come yet. Yeah. They're, they're, I can't even see them in the, in the horizon, but I, I believe that you will fulfill these promises. Oh, when will you do that? Yeah. Um, I've said this to our church family many times, but the God of the Bible is a God that loves to make and keep promises. In fact, I would suggest that it's one of God's favorite pastimes. He loves making promises and keeping promises. Um, You find him doing it throughout the Bible. Um, He made promises to Abraham. I'm sorry, (laughs) I'm going to get to him in a minute, but he made promises to Adam. He, in, in Genesis 3, verse 15, God made his very first promise. And he told Adam, he said, I'm, one day, I'm going to send the solution to fix the problem that you started. <laughs> I'm going I'm to send the solution to defeat sin and suffering and, the, and Satan. Uh, he made a promise to, to Adam. He made a promise to, uh, who else? To Noah. I'm going to send a flood. He made a promise to Abraham, I'm going to give you a son. He made a promise to Isaac, um, you're going to have two boys, and the older boy is going to serve the younger boy. He made a promise to Jacob, I'm going to send you to live with your uncle back in Babylon, but you will come back to the promised land one day, 20 years later. Um, He made a promise to Joseph, your family is one day going to bow down before you. Uh, He made a promise to Moses. Uh, uh, I know down in your heart you recognize that you were created to be the deliverer of God's people. That's going to happen. It's going to happen one day. Uh, You're going to have to wait. You're going to have to wait. Um, uh, He made a promise to Joshua and to Caleb that they were going to have lands in the promised land that would be their their family's land. Um, He made a promise to David. One day you're going to be the king of Israel. Um, God loves making and keeping promises. And I think that one of the reasons God loves making promises is because of the delight that comes when we fulfill promises. And that's not just true of God. I think that's true of everyone when we've made promises to people to pay off a loan, yeah. to fulfill a debt, to do something important for someone else that might be costly or challenging, when we fulfill that promise, when we accomplish that, there's, a, there's an inherent joy and delight that we experience from knowing I did what I told them I was going to do. And it's on both sides, isn't it? The giver is satisfied and the receiver is satisfied. There there is joy in both the one that fulfills the promise and there's joy in the the life of the one that that had the promise fulfilled. Yes, that's exactly right. But here's my point today that I want you to think about. When it comes to God, between the time that God makes promises and the time that God keeps His promises, very often, I would say most of the time, between the making of the promises and the keeping of the promises, there often is a lot of waiting. Yeah. Uh, and that's what I want to talk about today. Um, the God of the Bible values waiting. 
He values waiting in the lives of people that he loves. He values waiting in the lives of people that he makes promises to. I mean, let's just go back through that list real quickly. Adam, he made a promise to Adam. Adam had to wait 4,000 years to see it fulfilled. Noah had to wait 100 years. Abraham had to wait 25 years. Isaac had to wait 40 years. Jacob had to wait 20 years. Joseph had to wait 20 years. Moses had to wait 40 years. Joshua and Caleb had to wait 40 years. And David had to wait 35 years. There was a lot of... Did God make these people promises? Yes. Did God fulfill the promises? Yes. But between the making and the keeping of the promise... There was a lot of waiting. And I'll be honest with you, waiting's hard. It's hard for most everybody. You've been married to me for 40 years, and you would know uh, that there isn't anyone on the planet that has more difficulty with waiting than me. I hate waiting. Uh, and That happens to be an understatement. Yeah, yes. And here I am being a believer in and a follower of and a teacher of a God that delights in asking me to wait. And that's a struggle for me. And one of the things that I find some solace in, some comfort in, is knowing that God does not ask me or us to do anything that He's not willing to do as well. God doesn't just ask us to wait between the making and the keeping of promises. God is willing to wait also, yeah. in fact, yeah. Shirley, I would suggest that, you know, if you ask people to, uh, to give you qualities of God, tell me some qualities of God. They'll say God is love or God is all powerful or God is all wise. Or God, God is just, you know, they'll, they'll, I never, ever, I've been a Christian for 42 years. I've never heard anybody say, oh yeah, God is a God that waits. That is not a quality that we immediately think of that God possesses, and yet I would suggest that there's no quality that the Bible consistently reveals about God any more than His willingness to wait. God exhibits constantly, from the beginning of the Bible to the end of the Bible and to this very day, He exhibits a willingness to wait. Um, when, when somebody asked Jesus to describe his father. Hey, what's God the Father like? He starts telling these parables. Well, the parable that, that most reveals who God the Father is, we call it the parable of the prodigal son in Luke 15. Jesus wouldn't have called it the parable of the prodigal son. That's the name that we give it. I think Jesus would have said the parable of my father. Because what does that... Par the parable reveals... The emphasis is not on the rebellious son, and it's not on the legalistic son. The emphasis is on the father. That's who Jesus is revealing. And what does he reveal about the father? The father's love, the father's forgiveness, the father's grace. Yes, yes, yes. But at the end of the day, what that parable that Jesus shared to help us understand who his dad is and what he's like what that parable reveals is that God, God the Father, the Father in that story, is a, is a person that waits. He was waiting on the rebellious son to, to get to a point where he realized that all of his 
crazy, rebellious shenanigans were never going to satisfy that hole in his life. He was waiting on the older son who was just as far away, just in a different way. His self-righteousness, his arrogance, his superiority, Hmm. his legalism, his perfectionism, that separated him from the father as much as the rebellion of the son. The father was waiting on both sons to come to a place where they would see who he was and love him and embrace that life, the life of the father. My point simply is is that 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 parable teaches us that God the Father is a God who is willing to wait. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit is waiting. He's waiting to be poured out upon all mankind. Um, uh, The Bible declares that the Lord Jesus, the third member of the Trinity, He's waiting to come and claim His bride. And he doesn't even know when. He, and he does not literally wait. He he does not know when he will return yeah, yeah. Uh, to claim that. But he, and my point is, the father's waiting, the spirit's waiting, the son is waiting. Um, Isaiah chapter thirty, I found this verse. It says, "The Lord longs to be gracious to you, so He waits to have compassion on you." God is waiting on us to come to a place where he is given the opportunity to pour out his grace on us. And then in 2 Peter, uh, Peter says this about God. He says, God is not slow to keep his promise, but he is patiently waiting, for he does not want people to perish. Yeah, just this idea that uh, we are asked by God to believe His promises and then to be willing to wait on those promises to be fulfilled. Um, I asked you uh, to read a passage from Hebrews chapter 11. 11, would yeah. Would you mind reading that passage? I would not mind at all. And I want to start in verse 8. Thank you. It was Hebrews eleven eight. It was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and go to another land that God would give him as his inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going. And even when he reached the land God promised him, he lived there by faith, for he was like a foreigner living living in tents. And so did Isaac and Jacob, who inherited the same promise. Abraham was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations, a city designed and built by God. And it was by faith that even Sarah was able to have a child, though she was barren and too old. She believed that God would keep his promise. And so a whole nation came from this one man who was as good as dead. A nation with so many people that, like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore, there is no way to count them. All these people died still believing what God had promised them. That's Mm. a big thing. They did not receive what was promised, but they saw it all from a distance and welcomed it. They agreed that they were foreigners and nomads here on this earth. Obviously, people who say such things are looking forward to a country they can call their own. If they had longed for the country they came from, they could have gone back. But they were looking for a better place, a Mm. heavenly homeland. That is why God is not ashamed to be called their God, for He has prepared a city for them. I have a good friend Mm -hmm. whose husband is dying. He is ill and has been ill, and he has died. And she's our age. And she is caring for him. 
And she is very patiently doing that hard work yes. all the time, yes. every day. Um, mm-hmm. But the, and, and really, all of us are waiting for that same thing. We all yes. know that we and our people are going to pass away. Yeah. So we know that. But in this particular case, it is, you know, um, it is, she is preparing yes. for this. Yes. 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 Um, but, you know, I talk to her a lot. And every time I talk to her, she is talking about this waiting here for this inevitability, but the beauty of what is to come, that the heavenly home beyond this is a surety to her, and that it will be... I think that her faith has increased Mm. incredibly through this time of waiting, knowing, believing with everything that what comes next is the promise, the fulfillment of the promise. And she is, um, I'm watching her faith grow Mm -hmm. in that promise while she waits. Yes. It's a, it's James Joyce called that a terrible beauty. Mm. It's a terrible, it's beautiful. It's a a hard beauty. But it is a beautiful thing to watch someone willing to wait for God to fulfill his promise. God has made her promises. But they're not necessarily promises that are going to be fulfilled today. They might not be fulfilled till one day. You know, one of the most important, maybe the most important spiritual principles that I've ever learned in my journey with God is just this realization that God promises me only, really only two things. At the end of the day, God only promises us two things that are always true for every Christian. Regardless of who you are, when you lived, what your circumstances are, God is really, in my opinion, in my understanding of the Bible, in my understanding of God, God has only made us two promises that are always true no matter what. One of those promises is that all is well. No matter what your circumstances or situations, your friend's life from God's perspective, all is well. We don't see it that way, and I'm sure there are moments when she doesn't either. But the truth is, from God's perspective, all is well. And what that means is that God would say, I am sovereign over everything that is occurring. I am with you through all that's occurring. And I promise that I will use every bit of it, good and bad, your fault, somebody else's fault, nobody's fault. There's nothing going on in your circumstances that I will not use ultimately for your good. So when God declares to us that no matter where you are or what you're going through, all is well, He means that. As He looks at it, he's decla- He sees it that way because He is sovereign over it, He is with us in it, and He is using all of it ultimately for our good. The other promise that I believe God has made to all of us that is applicable to all of us no matter what is that better is coming. Not only is all well today, but better is coming one day. Yes, it is God's nature 
to give us blessings. He delights in doing that. He loves to share with his children wonderful things, and he's continually doing that. He's sharing with us his provision, his protection, his wisdom, his joy, his peace, his rescue, his victory, his healing. But here's the truth. As wonderful as those things are, and it's true that they all come from God, those things are not all guaranteed to all of God's children in all their situations all of the time today. Yeah. And it is not only in error, but it is cruel to suggest that all of God's promises in the Bible are applicable to all of God's children all of the time in all of their situations today. And that includes your friend uh, and, and others in our lives. It, that's just not true. It's a prideful thought, isn't it? That yes, I should it is. have it like a yes. petulant child. I want, yes, I want exactly it now. Right. I want it now. God's blessings, in my opinion, are really nothing more than a taste. They're a taste of what is to come. Yes, every one of those promises for wisdom, for protection, for provision, for victory, for deliverance, for rescue, for, you know, all of those promises, they are for all Christians. Yeah. In all circumstances, at all times, one day. One this day says, they'll. This says ahead. they saw it from a distance. They saw it from a distance. And welcomed it. Yeah, I okay. used to. You remember, oh, it's been 20 years ago, um, I had a job where I traveled a lot. Yep. Uh, for a number of years. And I traveled all over the world. I was constantly on airplanes and in airports. And, uh, you know, I traveled so much that uh, I worked for a Christian organization and therefore well, I always flew coach, you know, obviously. <laughs> and uh, that was fine. And, um, um, yeah, like I said, I flew all the time in coach. Because I flew so much, every once in a while, two or three times a year, either out in the in front of the gate before I would board the plane, or sometimes even after I'd sat down uh, uh, on the plane, the, a lady, would, an airport lady, would, an airline lady would walk up to me, uh, and she would say something to the effect, Mr. Ray, because of all the flying that you've done, we want to move you up to first class. Now, it didn't happen but two or three times each year, but it would happen, you know, well, let me tell you something. It's different, Rich isn't it? Rich folks got it made. Uh, that's a deal. Uh, you know, and, and, and I would run up there as fast as my little thought. Before she changed her mind. <laughs> that's exactly right. And it was fun. It was wonderful. But it was an unexpected... Delight. Delight. It, it, was, it, was, uh, it was an unexpected blessing. It was not guaranteed. It should not have been expected. It was, it was something that happened periodically as a blessing, but it was, it was not guaranteed. It was not to be expected. And here's the deal. It would have been unreasonable and foolish if I had bought a coach ticket and gone to the airport, and every time I flew, I had gotten mad mm. or felt like I had been wronged or, 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 or uh, treated poorly because I wasn't placed in first class. Good point. I think many Christians do not understand that in our journey from the cross to heaven, 
from the time we put our faith in Jesus to the time we stand before Jesus. We are living in a broken world full of pain and difficulties and problems. And waiting. And it involves waiting. We don't always get that first class treatment. There'll be a day. But right now, in the midst of all the difficulties, God says all is well. But he also says that a better day is is coming. Um, I think that's so important. All is well because Jesus is with us. Jesus is in control. And Jesus is using it all for our good. But he promises that there'll be a better day coming. Um, Maybe not today, but it's coming. Um, and, And the better that God is preparing for us. It's not the better like the difference in uh, uh, Sardis, Mississippi, Sardis Lake, and the French Riviera. It's not the difference in in Crystal Hamburgers and uh, Iris Restaurant. It's not the difference in a in a Gremlin or a Pacer and uh, a Ferrari. It's not that kind of better. It's the it's the difference in uh, death and life, in darkness and light. Paul says it this way, that no human ever born of woman has ever seen or heard or dreamed of the life that God has prepared for those who trust Him and know Him and follow Him. In 1 Peter 1, Peter says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept for you in heaven. Do you see? It's all is well. Yeah. God's got it. But there is a better day coming. And that inheritance, that better day is being kept for us and it's waiting on us in heaven. I just thought that it was important for us to be reminded of that today. Okay? That's good. Yeah. That's um, good. We're going to close the promise. service today by... Um, taking bread and juice and uh, eating and drinking. And we do that for a number of reasons, not the least of which is Jesus asked us to when we gather together. But he wanted us when we did that, he wanted us to remember what he did for us. And I think part of that remembering was he wanted us to remember that he made a promise to Adam. I'm going to send the solution to your sin, your suffering, to the, to the damage and chaos that you have created, I promise you I'll send it. He had to wait 4,000 years, but he fulfilled his promise. And by eating and drinking that which represents Jesus' body and blood, we're declaring that we believe that Jesus' promise that his death on the cross is sufficient to pay for our sin and his promise that one day as I have left, I promise I'll return. So let's eat and drink and declare that that is our belief.
Lord Jesus, ooh, we wish you'd come back today. We sure would love for you to fulfill that promise. But whether it's today or a thousand years from today, we declare with the faith that you have given us, we declare that we believe your promise, that your death on the cross is sufficient to pay for our sins and to place us in the family of God. And we believe that you will, as you left one day, you will return to claim your bride. Thank you for that. We love you. Amen. Amen. Bless you for being with us today. Thank you for joining us. We hope you have a wonderful week. Join us again next week. Bye-bye. Thanks again for joining us this week. We are Christ Community Church. Zach Smith, what are you wearing? What is that thing? <laughs> you look like Ric Flair. Merry Christmas to you guys. We are so glad that you have joined us. We'll be back next week. YouTube Live 1015, Facebook Live 1015. Y'all have a great Christmas. Thank you. Merry